welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. If you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like one, just raise your hand. One of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also open up the YouVersion app. It's also called the Bible app, and we've already uploaded all the notes and scriptures. And of course, we'll put them up here on the screen behind us. If you're watching us online at one of our other sites or at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you guys, and I'm so glad that you are a part of our family, and I'm so glad you guys are a part of our family with all the sickness that's going around and all the people that are like under the weather, and some of you guys, thank you for coming out and spreading. It's perfect. It's, it's like, it's exciting. It's exciting that you, I appreciate all of the germs that people are <laughs> breathing on us. Actually, I have a friend, they had to cancel church because so many people were sick. I was like, man, that's a lot of people to be sick that you guys would would cancel church. And so uh, wasn't that like a crazy message last week? Kind of a little bit out of the blue, I am adopted. Didn't you find it interesting to learn what uh, the view, the culture that, uh, the view that culture had of kids in Jesus' day? Like I always thought that it was a little bit weird when I read the story of the disciples trying to chase the kids away from Jesus, I always thought, like, what a bunch of jerks. Like, bro, like, leave those, like, what is your, what's your problem? I always thought that they were, like, possessive, or they were greedy, or, like, they wanted more time with Jesus, and that they knew that those kids were a lot, it's like kids and puppies. They knew that the kids were a lot cuter than them, and so I was like, bro, what a bunch of jerks. But when I learned how kids were viewed back then, it it made Jesus guys seem a little less jerky, I think in their own way, they were trying to protect Jesus. They, they were forgetting that they used to be kids too. And I, and I think Christians still do that today. They try to protect Jesus from damaged people, from, from people who aren't as desirable. They're like, bro, like clean yourself up a little bit before you try to get all up close to Jesus, forgetting that they used to be damaged too, that they weren't always as desirable as they think they are right now. But like Jesus said, let the little children come to me then, He's still saying it today because we've been adopted as God's kids, his sons and his daughters. Like, did you know there's almost 200 million orphans in the world right now that every day, almost 6,000 kids become orphans. And so the 82nd Psalm tells us to give justice to the orphans. James, the earthly half-brother of Jesus, tells us that the religion that God finds pure is the one that cares for widows and orphans. It takes a special love, a sacrificial love to adopt someone. That's what I want to talk about today in a message we're calling I Am Loved. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. Man, you could end the whole prayer right there. We love you. You love us and we love you. You love us in spite of us. You love us even in the midst of our mess, even in the midst of our fear, even in the midst of doubt and circumstances and all the 
reactions and realities that we have that make us push ourselves away from you. You still love us. You pursue us. And so today, as we come into this place, I pray that your heart would become our heart, that your mind would become our mind, that your actions would become our actions, that when we leave this place, we would be made to be like you. We would be molded into your image in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think we all love love. Our, our culture is consumed by it with music, books, movies. Like I love love movies. And I don't think that makes me less Johnny Lawrence and more Daniel LaRusso. Like I, I don't think it makes me less manly. There's tons of dude stuff that I'm into. Like I love tools and guns. I love tattoos. I have like 22 of them. I love meat. Oh, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Oh, man, I love, I love meat, the, the sight of it and the, the sound when you put a, in the, the, when you get the little crisscross applesauce, I love, I love the, the fat on the, on the meat, the gristle, because it tastes, the gristle it tastes like meat. And so, like, uh, any Daniel fasters in here today? <laughs> like, you're like, oh, in Jesus' name, I'd eat any kind of meat right now. I was at a restaurant the other day, and they had a 40-ounce tomahawk steak on the menu. Guess what I got? Eggplant and Brussels sprouts. Like, thanks a lot, Daniel. <laughs> you're welcome, Jesus. <laughs> I, like, I love cars and the WWF, not the WWE. I'm talking about the WWF with Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Roddy Piper, the Iron Sheik and Big John Stud. I love the UFC. Like, I love it. I love it. There was a crazy great fight on last night. I mean, like, you get my point? There's tons of dude stuff I'm into. I'm just a sucker for a good chick flick. Whether it's Matthew McConaughey failing the launch, Tom Hanks waiting at the top of the Space Needle, or Leonardo DiCaprio dancing with Rose in the ballroom of the Titanic, I love love movies. I mean, come on, has there ever been a better movie made than The Notebook? <laughs> Anybody can write a fight scene or a car chase. But when Noah gets into Allie's bed in the hospital and they take their last breath to die, are you kidding me? If you don't love that movie, you're probably going to go to hell. I'm just saying, it's just like, come on, that's love. We all love love. Regardless of what language you speak, you understand the concept of it. Some of us don't understand the delivery of it, though. So like 30 years ago, Gary Chapman wrote a groundbreaking book that suggests love is a language of its own. He actually suggests that there are five love languages. Words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, quality time, and gifts. And what's interesting is we typically communicate love the way we like to receive love. Uh, but when you use a, a love language that someone else doesn't speak, you, you can either come across unloving or, or at the least, you run the risk of communicating a love that's shallow or that's surface. Uh, for example, I'm, I am a gifts guy. It is my number one love language. And that's not because I'm materialistic. It's, it's because 
to someone who's a gift person, when you give them a meaningful gift, it shows them that you're paying attention to the things that they like. It, it shows them that you're thinking of them when they're not around. Now, because I'm a gifts guy, <laughs> I used to try to show my love to Sunny by giving her gifts. The problem is, Sunny's not a gifts person. It's not her love language. She's a quality time person. And, and I was busy building my career, trying to make enough money to buy her nice things, and I wasn't spending any time with her, so she didn't truly feel loved. I, I could buy her all the gifts that I wanted, but I would never be communicating my love in a way that she truly understood. Love has a language of its own. And the Bible uses the language of love consistently. In fact, it speaks of love or a derivative of love 699 times. Now, considering the fact that there are only 1,189 chapters in the whole book, that's a pretty high concentration on one particular subject. Love. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Ephesians that we've been studying for like the last uh, 14 weeks. He, he talks about love over and over again. In the 13 verified books that he wrote, he talks about love over a hundred times, including what many people refer to as the love chapter. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. If it was, if it was on the Bible's essential playlist on iTunes. This would be the this would be the slow jam. Like when like when when you open the book, there's some there's some chapters you open it up and they, they got a theme, y'all. Like they got they got a soundtrack. They got a roll-in intro. You go in first and second kings, there's a good chance somebody's getting killed. Like if you're like if you're a dude and you love like Braveheart and Gladiator and you know those kind of movies and you haven't read the Kings or like First and Second Chronicles, oh my gosh, people get toe up in First and Second Chronicles. I mean, dude's head's getting cut off, guys killing so many people that their hand freezes to their soul. Like I've never, you know, that's crazy to me. And so I think when you open First and Second Chronicles, it, it, it's, got, it's, got like a, it's got like a driving beat behind it. It's like, it's, you know, like when you watch a movie and you're like, oh snap. It's about to go down now. It's about to go down. I think, I think, I think 1 Corinthians 13 is the same way, though. Except when you, when you get to 1 Corinthians 13, the whole mood changes. It's like boom, boom. Like the lights go down. Somebody lights a candle. Like it's just, it is the love chapter. And what it tells us is that love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It isn't arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It isn't irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And most importantly, it never, ever, ever ends. And 1 Corinthians 13, like most of you, that might have been one of the first verses that you ever got to know because you've, you, if you've ever been to a wedding, <laughs> you probably heard first. Corinthians 13, it's been used at countless weddings. And so I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul uses the image of marriage as the example for love in our passage today. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did it to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot 
or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we're members of his body. And the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. I've read that scripture literally hundreds of times. And this week, one line just jumped off the page. This is a great mystery. Hmm. It's, it's prophetic. Marriage wasn't a mystery then. The way a husband and a wife treated one another, it was very clear. It was very legal. It was very buttoned down. But there are two words that used to be synonymous, love and marriage. And I don't think that that's as true today as it was back then. To some people in our culture, marriage has become dispensable or disposable. It's it's almost optional, even oppressive. I mean, many of you have probably heard the statistics. 46% of all first marriages, 64% of all second marriages, 74% of all third marriages end in divorce. Lots of people, including many people in this room, have heard words like this. I just don't love you anymore. Uh, I, I've, I've fallen out of love. But that kind of response to love is rooted in the flesh. It's rooted in emotions, but love isn't a product of your flesh. It, it shouldn't be governed by your emotions. Many times, love is a choice, particularly the longer that you've been married. When you got married, uh, it, was like, uh, it was like the Bambi movie, if we're being honest. Birds flew by with ribbons in their beaks and Flowers sprung up. The smell of the air was different. Rabbits came out, tapped their feet. I was trying to think of his name. I couldn't remember his name because I've actually never actually seen Bambi. <laughs> All I know about Bambi is that, the, doesn't the mom? Huh. Interesting. Maybe it is a guy movie. I'm just, it was made in Wisconsin. So, like... <laughs> When you first fell in love, it was like, like, it was like time just slowed down. You couldn't wait. Remember in, in uh, middle school, the first time you fell in love? You just, you couldn't, you just, you couldn't tell you nothing. You were 14 years old. <laughs> you, you thought you met your soulmate. It's, it's like, it's just, you know, and then you become 60. And you go, hey, you know, when's the last time you had a pedicure? <laughs> you know, this, and the, the, somebody should grind off. You. Like it's a, at some point, love is not an emotional reaction. But we make it be that way. And so because we make it an emotional reaction, when our emotions change, our love changes. And, and here's the problem. If you can feel that about a person, then you can feel that about the Lord. And so some of you, you fall in love with God and then you fall out of love with God. You, you fall in love with God when Shelby slows down the set and she, and she worships like she did today. You, and, you just, and you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You, 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 it's easy to fall in love with God 
when somebody's playing the keyboard and there's, there's words that are being spoken over a slow track. But, but it's hard to love God when you've lost a family member or when you've lost your job, when you've lost hope, when you, when you, when you fell out of love with God because of fear. And in 1958, author C.S. Lewis, probably most famous for writing the Chronicles of Narnia, he gave a series of radio messages about love. Uh, two years later, he collected all of those messages into a book called The Four Loves. And in the book, he lists storge, eros, phileo, and agape. Storge, eros, phileo, and agape. And he says, storge love is a love of affection. It's a love of fondness through familiarity. I think that's a good description. It's, it's the kind of love you feel for your family. He, he talked about uh, having, having this kind of love that doesn't have a lot of emotion attached to it. That, that's that love, storge. Uh, next, he talked about eros. And this, this is a romantic love. Uh, It carries the implication of being in love, though, rather than any kind of raw sexuality. Some people have have mistaken lust for love. They they think somebody's hot, (laughs) and that person thinks they are equally hot, miraculously. And and so then they, they translate that as love. That's not, that's not this kind of love. He, uh, Lewis called that Venus love. It's a, a very almost taboo kind of love. Uh, it, but eros is the difference between wanting a woman and wanting one woman. There are lots of dudes who want a woman. Anyone will do. They have a type. You probably have a type. Uh, my son and I were talking about um, his type. He's 18, and he's, so he has, he has a type. Clearly, he has a type. And so, and so he listed several things for me that are his type. It's kind of like the love resume. Because I'm always looking for somebody for my kids. If I could do the arranged marriage thing, oh, yeah, bet that, bet that. Uh, so he, he's not, he's, it's, it's not like uh, superficial either. He likes brown, he likes brown hair. Uh, nothing against you blondes. You already have more fun. You just don't get to have my son. <laughs> he, he likes uh, good eyebrows and uh, nice teeth. And, uh, you know, a girl who smells good. He likes that. So basically, anybody with brown hair who takes a shower and brushes her teeth, <laughs> that cat is in the game. You know, so some of us, like, you, you want a woman, and you're like, oh, you know, I've been single for, I'm 47, and, uh, or I've been divorced. You know, if, I could find, if there's somebody who uh, doesn't have bad credit and has never murdered anyone, But then there's some of you, you have an eros, like you have one woman. That's me. I have one, like I've told Sonny a million times, if you die, I will never get married again. There is nothing that could duplicate the love that I, 
that man, I just don't want to have to memorize anybody else's social security number. And learn their parents' birth. No, I'm just saying, like, it, like it's this eros love. Third, he talked about phileo love. And this is a brotherly love. It's where we get the name for the city, Philadelphia, this city of brotherly love. Phileo, it's a friendship love. It's the least biological, organic, instinctive, or natural of all loves. And our culture finds it to be the least necessary. And so because of that, people are longing for relationships. True friendships like the one between David and Jonathan in the Bible, they're, they're almost a lost art. I, I have a, a very good friend. We've been, we've been I mean, homies just like, my, like 25 years. And he's preached here many times, a, a guy named uh, Alan Griffin. And he, him and I, from the minute that we met, we just, we had a million things in common. Grew up an hour away from each other, loved all the same music, all the same sports teams, dressed the same, acted the same, talked the same, had the same sense of humor. And, and so him and I, we've been like such, such good, for like brothers for 25 years. And uh, man, we've traveled the world together. We've like shared hotel rooms, been on flights next to each other. Never one time in 25 years had a single disagreement. And, and we talk on the phone almost every day. He, he's my brother. And our wives clown us about it so bad. They, make, they literally they make fun of us constantly. Like, oh, oh, uh, they say stupid stuff is all I'm saying. But what I'm saying is why is that kind of relationship weird? Phileo. Finally, he talked about agape love. And this is the most biblical of all loves. It's unconditional. It's irrevocable. It's, it's a love. If you remember when I talked in this, this series on uh, becoming the church or redefining the church, and we talked really gave like a whole breakdown of the book of Acts, I talked about the fact that, that agape love did not exist before Jesus' people. Uh, this agape, it's the love of God. The apostle John said, anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God because God, he is love. In the early Christian world, this love was talked about extensively. Uh, but when you go back to pagan Greek literature that was written during the same time, this type of love is incredibly rare. It's almost never spoken of because the traits of agape love the things that it portrays, things like unselfishness, sacrifice, willful devotion, generosity, charity, concern for the welfare of others, those, those characteristics, they were looked down upon in the ancient Greek culture. And you know what? In some of our manly parts of society, they're looked down on now. They were considered signs of weakness. In contrast, though, the New Testament reveals how agape actually requires great strength. It is the character trait around which all others are supposed to revolve. This book, it says God is love and all who live in love live in God and he lives in them. Agape love consistently comes back to the cross. The apostle John said, greater love has no one than this that someone laid down their life for his friends. The apostle Paul, he said, God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. It says this is how God's love was revealed among us, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And love consists in this, not that we loved God, mm. 
but that he loved us and that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. Of course, John 3, 16, the number one hit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will never perish but have everlasting life. That's love. And when I look back on when I became a Jesus guy, I had had people tell me about Jesus. I had heard different things from the scriptures and yet nothing had ever penetrated my heart until a a football coach walked into a locker room and opened up a little green Gideon Bible and for his pep talk, I still to this day have no idea what this had to do with football. But he opened up the book and he said, for God so loves you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And guys, when I heard those words, it made this love sick, love deprived, hardened shell of a guy begin to weep because God is love and he's how we love. We love because he loved us first, but it's hard to release love until you've received it. And so I wonder, have you received his love? If you haven't, I hope you will before you leave here today because it is the thing that sets you free. Would you close your eyes all across this place? You know, salvation, sometimes we make it like you gotta get rid of this and start that. Ultimately, all salvation is is love. It's, uh, it, is, it is the receiving of and the releasing of love. It is doing what Abby talked about. It's walking away from the fear that you're not good enough, from the fear that you'll be rejected, from the fear that everything else you've tried hasn't worked, from the fear that he won't accept you exactly the way that you are. The Bible says, come just as you are. He loves you exactly the way that you are. But here's the thing. He loves you too much to leave you that way. And that's what salvation is about. Salvation is about receiving this beautiful, loving gift that God has offered to you and then releasing it back to him through your life, through the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you treat people, the way that you love. And so I wonder if you're here today and you say, Sean, I, do, I don't have that relationship. I've not entered into a saving relationship with Jesus where I, where I give my life over to him and I receive his life into mine. Well, the Bible says that you really just have to do two things to make that happen. You have to confess and you have to profess. You have to confess that you're a sinner and profess that you believe that Jesus can change that. And so today, we want to give you the opportunity to do both those things. And here's how we are. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do two things. First is with nobody looking around. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for people who don't have a relationship with the Lord but want one to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down. And then I'm going to ask for, for everyone in here to repeat a prayer after me. And if you pray that prayer after me and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you are saved. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to before I leave this place. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thanks. 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 Okay, everybody in here, we're going to say these words together. Say, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Forgive my sins. Purify my heart. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, would you just do me the favor of you can either fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you that says hello, you tear off the bottom part, check the box that's highlighted in yellow that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You can either put that in the black buckets when they come around in a minute or you can take it out to the Welcome Center. You can also scan the QR code on the seat back in front of you or the one up on the screen. If you are watching us on a screen, please let somebody at your site know that you have made a commitment to Jesus. We want the opportunity to follow up with you. And so I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time before we receive the Lord's tithes and your offering. I wonder if you're here and you say, Sean, like I'm saved, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl, but something in you feels unloved. If you feel unloved today, would you raise your hand so that I could pray for you? Yep, yep, tough one. So God, today for my friends in this place who, who have a love deficit, God, I pray that you would fill their account, that you would pour into them everything that they need, God, that their hearts and their minds would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask my friends, we're gonna receive the Lord's tithes and, and your offering. And, you know, rather than give a huge, big teaching and try to be like, we do this every week where we talk about the tithes and offerings. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that in our, in our message next week. I'm gonna share a message that says, I am rewarded. But uh, I think this, one of the most generous things that you can do is, is love someone. When you love someone, I think one of the most loving things that you can do is you can give to them. And so like tithing and giving at church, it's never been hard for me. It's never been hard for me because it's my love language. Like I am a, I am a giver. And so by nature, that matriculated into my relationship with the Lord. But for some of you, you may say, well, I'm a, I'm a quality time person. Well, if you're not a person who wants to give in the offering and you're a quality time person, what I would wonder is how much time are you spending with Jesus? you don't spend time with him, then you don't feel like you want to give to him. Some of you, you're words of affirmation people. And if that's you, I wonder how many of you are, are digging into the scriptures and you're, and you're letting these words speak life over you. Like whatever it is, is your language. Can I tell you that all of those things are unlocked when we sacrificially give to the Lord. He says, give and it will be given, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The manner with which you give is the manner with which you'll receive. And so God, today we love you. Thank you for my friends who are here to give, who God are planning for our uh, first fruits offering in a couple of weeks. They're making sacrifices, they're making plans, but today they came, whether they're prepared to give or they're, they're just gonna give because they're gonna try you today. I pray that you would reward them, that you would bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.